Welcome to Hatch House Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Youssef. This is our third episode together. I got Blaine Holcomb, Will Pellerin, Corey Ellison, and Mike Godwin here today. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good to see you guys. Yeah. Mike is our first official guest. You got to get close to that thing too when you talk. Hey guys, yeah, sorry gonna, if I'm, I'm not sure. Away. I'm not sure if you know how microphones work or not. But. <laughs> yeah, if we start <laughs> clapping and snapping at you, just I'm really sorry. No, you're good. So the way that I I usually do these podcasts is like just friends of friends, and just like if you know somebody, bring them in. And so today we have Mike Godwin, who uh, I know very little about, but I'm about to learn a lot. And you guys were all close friends. Tell me how you guys all know each other. Oh, we all went to college together, upstate oh, New York, okay. St. Lawrence University. So, yep. yep. Will and Mike and I all went to school together. So we all moved here around the same time to Nashville. So you guys all went to college together then. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And were you all in the same acapella group? Yes. Yeah. We're gonna get that, that first, huh? <laughs> yeah. We were all in an all male oh. acapella group. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. How many of you were Saints. in it? Oh, is that is that what you guys are talking Saints, about? Singing Saints, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There was I don't know. There was what, twelve of us, fifteen of us, maybe. Wow, that's a lot for uh, acapella group. No, we're sharp looking. We had red blazers. How much do you know about acapella groups? I know nothing <laughs> about acapella groups. But twelve to fifteen people in that's, one. That sounds pretty full. That's a deep sounds bench. Sounds like a lot. Did you guys yeah. not want to cut anyone or? Just, <laughs> you had to get we're, voted we're real in. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's we, like we, did, we did auditions. Did like, you really? We, yeah, we yeah. You couldn't just join. Like, was there yeah, one person in the group that you're like, they shouldn't be here? Probably. Yeah, there was a few. We can't <laughs> talk few. about them on the podcast. Yeah, we're not going to bring up we, any names. We can't name names. Okay, Blaine Holcomb to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell me about it, though. Like, tell me about the whole The experience. Saints? Yeah, tell me about the Saints. Um, I don't know when you guys want to take it. I don't know, man. Uh, it was like a weird... So our college was... Were there 3,000 or 6,000 people in the 3, whole 3,000. Like, if Real that, small. If that. Real small liberal arts college, and it was like a little fraternity uh, where we just like I don't know. It's one of those things. Got together and sang, and then drank and did mixers with other other groups on campus. Um, we were all student run, by the way. We didn't have like a like a professor that was you know like a music director. We just had a couple like people we voted to be the team captain or so there were 12 to 15 people in the it was all guys and like yeah we had a couple guys that were like what the what do you call them like the leader like the head person whatever yeah we had like captains and yeah music directors and And we would we would meet what twice a week in rehearse yeah i remember i joined and i had no idea i thought it was like once a month you got together and sang some songs and then they were like no you got to be there monday wednesday fridays and well it was two days a week i think but yeah no we moved it to two days a week i think i was three i threw it to a vote well imposed that he brought to congress yeah I was like, guys, we play four shows a year, and yeah, we rehearse that. We did yeah. like one show a semester. We rehearsed every week. <laughs> we rehearse every week. We do one show at the end of the semester. Yeah, exactly. that's why I was like a frat. You know? Yeah, <laughs> more of a hangout than anything. Yeah. Hmm. So was it the acapella that drew people together, or was it just like community for like-minded singers and I both? I guess. Well, yeah, I can tell the story about because yeah. I think I think it's all connected about how we all kind of ended up in the group. So I met Blaine. Um, through Blaine's roommate, uh, I don't know how. We Can you start- guys play like I music? I don't know how it? I started this band with Vasilios. Yeah. Um, but I was it was very early in my freshman year in college, and I was in this band for maybe two weeks with three guys. And he was like, "Hey, man, you should meet my roommate Blaine." And then I went. We had a couple on campus bars, 
uh, where they'd have live music. And I think I got an opportunity to open for Blaine through his roommate. Oh, yeah, that's right. I met him during a sound check. Uh, and that's kind of how it all started. Wow. That um, was like, what, 12, 14 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Now? My like, freshman year. Yeah. So whatever year that was. That's how the friendship um, started? That's how I met that's Blaine. And I met Will shortly after. But anyway, so uh, I'll get to the Will part. Um, but what we would do after, you know, the Singing Saints as a group, to recruit new guys is we'd go through the, all the dorms with like flyers. And I think we were in our red coats and we'd go knock on all the doors and get the guys and be like, Hey man, try out for the singing saints. You know, and we'd go try to get guys to come to audition. And so after that first time of meeting Blaine and me playing, he had heard me and he was like, Hey man, you're a good singer. Come try out for the saints. And I was like, all right, cool, man. I don't have any friends and no girls <laughs> like me. And I've never tried alcohol. Here's my chance, so I yeah. think I'll, uh, I think I'll, go try for the saints um i actually i think i called you though because yeah like, yeah so we went sure. through the dorm the freshman dorm like we would sing going down and I, so i was one year ahead of these guys so when these two were freshmen i was a sophomore but so i was already in the group and going through the dorm like and i saw him and i was like hey you you know you sing like come audition and he's like oh yeah okay whatever and then we had these auditions and we i think we had a pretty full group that year so we didn't really need a bunch of extra like new guys but um, we had several people audition and we didn't like any of them. And then he didn't show up. So I think I called, did I call you? Yeah, I actually wasn't going to audition just cause I, I was lazy, man. And, uh, and I was very, uh, introverted and I was bio major. So I was kind of caught up in the science sort of stuff. And I was leaving a lab and I remember getting a call from him and he was like, Hey man, like this is your last chance. Like, do you want to come do it? And I was like, man, I still don't have any friends and no girls like me. <laughs> so I guess I'll run over and, and do it. <laughs> and then I went and then I heard like the next day that I got in. I was only freshman in the group. So I was like this new cat in the group. But it was cool because I knew Blaine and Blaine kind of opened me up to like the rest of the guys cool. in the group. And it was like all uh, senior through freshman. So it was very uh, it was a confidence builder and it was a very cool way to meet new guys. And uh, so that was probably that was freshman fall for you, right? Yeah. He joined. Yeah. No. So spring. I joined. Stuff. I think I joined, oh, so freshman, joined I joined freshman spring. That's right. Yeah, so it was the second half of my freshman year. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah, man, it was really cool. And people think it's like cheesy. And, uh, man, you can go on a full tangent with this because I used to play hockey and uh, I got – I tried out for the hockey team and I met Dan Mulcahy who was in the group. And he was the one who first – told me about the singing saints because he was in it and he said the same thing he's like it's kind of weird but it's like a good way for guys to get together and we sing and we drink beers and i was like man yeah, you're cool so fun. it must be cool yeah yeah and i don't know if i met him before i met you blaine um he didn't believe yeah. me when i said it was cool he needed a yeah hockey yeah guy. It it was was a, I, I definitely when you first brought it up i thought it was cheesy yeah but and it is it's still cheesy we so should yeah. we, we uh but we I, should show some but, clips we've got some youtube footage out there somewhere <laughs> I have yeah. so much respect for it because I can't sing at all. And I have respect for anyone who's trying to do anything creative like that. Um, but I think that, I think the reason why my first instinct is, is it's cheesy. I don't know what the goal, like what's the goal. Cause like when you're making music, I can see what you're trying to do with acapella groups. Like, are you trying to Christmas Carol? Like what's the end goal? So are I you think, trying to put on a show? I think a lot of it and, I think a lot of people felt this way is I'm not, you, I'm not trying to start anything. Yeah, no, that's fine. I see, no, it's, I see it, Will trying to about to put me in my place. No, here. no, you could you could spend you could spend the entire episode talking about this because I feel like it's 
it's a unique experience that Blaine, Mike, and I all share, mm-hmm. and a lot of people across the country when they join a college campus. Uh, I mean, to speak to my own experience, it's like I came from a really small town where there was no music, and I had never been in a music class. I had never really seen what mm-hmm. that was like. And so for me, it was a chance to, like Mike was saying, hang out with some you know, like-minded guys that just want to have fun and sing songs. Uh, and then it's a networking thing. Like you network sure. super hard. And, and one thing to be said about that too, it's the oldest, it was the oldest acapella group on campus. So it was like very traditional in that way. And there was yeah, some, and, and we some didn't, camaraderie like, there. And, and we, we didn't take it too serious. No. So we just kind of like, it was very laid back. You could bring beers to rehearsal. You weren't like, we got to get ready. Yeah. I mean, it, it would like, when, when it got to be crunch time, <laughs> like after we, after we wasted, after, after we wasted. <laughs> the talent show is coming yeah. up, guys. After like, we wasted the first three quarters of the semester, and then we realized we had like a week to learn all these songs for yeah, our yeah, end of the semester concert, we had to actually learn songs. <laughs> but, but it was, uh. It was very laid back, and it was kind of like he said, like a fraternity, because mm. there wasn't really much Greek life on campus for gotcha. St. Lawrence. It wasn't like colleges in the South where there's so like you have to join a fraternity to, to fit in. Like there was two fraternities, and neither one of them even had a house, so they were kind of a joke. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, I hear that. I hear and, that. And the best part about it too is because of that group. You know, that's the reason why we became all three of us became close. Yeah, and then ultimately after college, you know. We all moved here at the same time. Did you? So. Were you guys also working on songs like with the acapella group? Like you guys were working on your own stuff? Not, not, not original music with the acapella group, but, but yeah. But separately, outside of that, yeah, we were writing and doing our like. We would play shows at this on-campus pub called Pub Fifty Six. Okay, we kind of like um, not to brag, but like we kind of made that place A like venue. because yeah, yeah I mean, because it was new when we first got there. And so music, live music at this on-campus pub was a new idea. And so we kind of were the ones that made that a thing. Nice. It was kind of a funny thing. that The Singing Saints is what brought us all together, but we all kind of had our own agendas as musicians. Um, yeah, it's, looking back on it, it's such a crazy time. I mean, I can't speak for Will, but I can, I can definitely speak for Blaine because he was the first one I met, um, and I knew that he was – driven as a singer songwriter and he had a sort of a uh band that he was playing with at the time in northern new york so he was a big driver of me getting involved at some of those on-campus bars and then i met will along the way and will had this sort of refreshing vibe to him and uh it was just one of those really organic things where we're buddies first and we all kind of ended up at the same place um I don't know if we really expected it. We kind of had plans as our senior year came along where we were going to go. and um, But just to have us be here 10 years later is very, um, it's a really cool thing, man. It's yeah. really cool to still be friends. And you look back on your college buddies and you don't know where it's going to end up. And to have the three of us still be here after all that and all those memories, it's wild, man. It's, it's funny. Really, uh, it's funny because really cool. like, I know these guys for, for a while now. I go to your guys's gigs sometimes and hang out but they always bring up godwin we got to get godwin out here you know um so who was the first one to talk about yeah i think i think it's you right (laughs) yeah um who was the first one to end up in nashville so blaine was a year ahead of us like he said and uh, he had plans all along to move um and for me it kind of came later so i i was very focused on sports growing up um and music was sort of a gradual progression hockey 
Yeah, so I play hockey. I um, learned about hockey the other day, yeah, just so you know. Yeah. It's my first game. I, I, took, I took Nathan to a yeah, hockey. Yeah, they, they had game. hockey down here. Oh, what did I learn? Hold on, hold on. Let me tell you what I learned. Um, <laughs> Icing. Icing. Offsides. Off, well, yeah. I, offsides I knew. I Icing is also in drinking, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, didn't, I didn't know what... Uh, What's icing and drinking? Just like icing a beer? Smirnoff Have you ever been ice. iced before? Smirnoff ice. Yeah. Yeah, you ever been iced? Yeah. Uh, I think someone tried to ice me. Yeah. Like they handed me You're going to get ice. it now, brother. <laughs> we'll, we'll, ice, we'll ice Nathan on the podcast. Yeah, I learned some things about hockey. Um, Blaine went on like a, I think a 45 minute tangent during our first podcast about hockey. <laughs> Probably, yeah. No, it was good. We yeah. only got it done yeah. like yeah. six minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Well, uh, so let's, let's go. Let's wait, start no, I'm, from... I'm bringing, um, it, I'm bringing it back. I don't okay. mean to talk about hockey for two No, okay. so. I, I was going to say, like, let's start from the beginning for Mike. Yeah. So let's have Mike talk about... He's from Boston. I don't know if he's mentioned that yet. He grew up outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, but let's I'll go back the, to the beginning. You're, you're our first guinea pig of an interview. Of a guest. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, let's start there. Start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yes, man. Story. Well, I grew up outside of Boston, suburbs. Um, yeah. Went through a uh, school system there. Went to prep school for high school and uh, ended up at St. Lawrence, northern New York with these guys. Music was kind of always on the back burner. Um, hockey was so hockey was a big deal for you so you could touch on that because hockey was like what you were doing for a while like, yeah like the goal was to play college hockey yeah yeah I mean I, I yeah that was my main sport and I really put a lot of my chips into that put all my chips into it really um, that's a tough game yeah yeah it is I think one hit it's humbling for sure yeah for sure yeah and injuries kind of kept me out of it towards the end that's a story for another time but um, no, you could you could you tell us if you want story. I mean, that's that's your story yeah I don't I don't I don't know how much time we have you could, well um, we got we got plenty of time yeah. Just, you could do a brief version of it like uh, I'll give you I'll give you the short so uh, that was very prevalent and got hurt um, and broke my back in high school oh, my junior year um yeah, that was a very defining moment as far as like my identity, um, because all of a sudden my future as an athlete was sort of in, in question. But I was I always had this guitar that I was playing. Um, so, yeah, ended up at St. Lawrence shortly after sort of no sports kind of in the future. Um, tried out for the, the tried out varsity for, team, tried out for the varsity, Division one. skated with them for a little while that ended shortly after. Um, great experience, and I have no regrets about that process in my uh, career as a as an athlete. Um, but it's crazy because this this sort of thing, this music ambition, came up from the rear, and uh, met Blaine. Singing Saints came shortly after, and then we had that great what a great opportunity that was our, our on-campus bar pub 56 that these, these guys have talked about. What a great thing we had there. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, a, a great place for us to sort of cut our chops and, you know, Blaine was playing with a really great cover band, the Fulton Chan gang, Northern New York. Um, so he had, he had a lot of, he was a lot less green than I was. Um, so I very, I very much looked up to him when I met him and then sort of the same thing when I, Will, because Will had so much raw talent and I just revered him in so many ways, his voice. I remember when He's Will man. tried out for the Saints, um, and I don't know if it was me that, that got you to audition, but we were friends at the time. And I remember your audition. We're in this tiny piano room yeah, yeah, in the music hall 
And he came in, man, and it was kind of like a last-minute thing, kind of like me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we were looking for guys, but Will came in, and he had this pizzazz about him, and he just freaking blew the doors off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember when he left Mulcahy. I remember Mulcahy. Yeah. Like we, he he left. We're like, all right, thanks, man. We'll let you know. See you later. And Will walks out to walk back to his dorm, and Dan Mulcahy goes like this. Yeah, yeah. Like we we it wasn't even like a boat. We all knew like yeah, yeah he's he's in the group. <laughs> so anyways, uh, uh, man, I'm rambling, but uh, I had these two guys, and I had this acapella group, and I had this music, um, and it just felt like a new identity. Um, and we had this sort of pizzazz on campus. You know, we weren't athletes, but we we had a little something. Um, <clears throat> you know what? I, oh, sorry, not didn't. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Willie, because I'll go all day. No, I'm just. I think, you know, obviously we, Blaine, you and I um, moved here at the same time. And I've seen you on this awesome trajectory of just these different stages of your life. But, you know, you and Blaine lived together when you first moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just I'm interested to hear of, you know, what it felt like when you first got here to maybe the first three years. Because I know that you were maybe we can talk about this. Like, where did you start? How did you end up, you know? maybe the first three years of being yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. So to, to the short start to that. So end of our time at St. Lawrence, I kind of got the bug where I was going to move to Nashville and Blaine was the big proponent for that. He's like, I'm moving to Nashville. I think you should do it too. Um, and he graduated and then I think he stayed home for another year and then moved. Um, and when he got down there, it was our senior year. And uh, I remember talk. I would talk to him on the phone frequently, kind of about his his time and his process. Um, so I got a lot of intel about the city and the gigs down here. Um, but you didn't know like Nashville. It's not like I didn't know anything. I'd never been here before. Um, did you know Nashville? I I visited one time in 2012. So I I did. I came here with my my parents and my sister on a family vacation. So <clears throat> went to the Grand Ole Opry, saw Lower Broadway. And at the time, like he said, I was playing with a, a band back in New York. So I, I'd kind of made up my mind that after I graduated college, I wanted to move here, but I needed to come here and like, see it first yeah. and be like, do you, can I actually do this? And I remember walking up down Broadway and like being like, okay, I think I can do this. Whereas like for him, it was totally like, you know, he, he was like, I, I remember the conversation we had, we were at pub 56 drinking a beer on the balcony in the yeah. bar. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it was the spring semester of my senior year, which was his junior year. And he goes, what are you doing after school? And I said, I'm moving to Nashville. And he was like, wow, maybe I will too. Mm. And then there you go. But Man, he, he literally, he too. literally packed up his truck. He graduated in May of 2015 from college, went back to Boston for the summer, packed up his truck in September and literally drove what 17 hours or whatever from Boston, Massachusetts to Nashville, Tennessee, never been to the city in his life pulled into the place that him and I were living at. And that was the beginning. I think that's the thing that's great about Nashville and why people are happier here. It seems like most people that end up in Nashville deliberately chose to move here. Like they made a life decision. Like I'm going to move to this city and this is what I'm going to do when I get here versus like you go to some cities, like, I don't know, like actually I don't want to say any city that's bad because I want to talk shit. (laughs) But sometimes you, you get a job. Talk shit. You no, I'm not. No, no, no. I, I don't do that. I'm a very kind person. I love all cities. Um, but, you know, sometimes you get a job somewhere and you end up in that city. And that's yeah. why you end up there. And yeah. those industries draw you to those cities. Um, yeah. Which ones are you talking about? Just, just <laughs> cities in general. No, I'm just saying, you know, 
I don't have one that pops up in my head. <laughs> it's funny. I'm thinking Baltimore. I've never even been yeah. to Baltimore. Oh gosh, but, Baltimore. Uh, no, you're right though. I think heard that Ravens let us down big last yeah. week. Bills yeah. let us down the week before. The Ravens let us down last week, and now we got to deal with Taylor Swift at the fucking Super yeah. Bowl. Gag yeah. me with well, a spoon. Well, the NFL is scripted, so um, no. But Nashville, it uh, it it draws people in here that are coming for a purpose. So you you yeah. came here because you wanted to get in with um, songwriting. Yeah, and, for sure. And so then, how did that go when you came here? What was that like? Well, it had that X factor back then, and it's even more so now almost more than the whole music thing now it's like a, it, the city's blowing up as far as its popularity um but i was lucky that i got some intel from blaine as far as how the kind of gig process goes down here i remember i was very green before i moved here but i had played a few gigs in the boston area with this kid who kind of had a name for himself and i laugh about it now because he was in the process of moving to nashville and he was like how you what are you going to do for gigs or what are you going to do for work or for money down there? And I was like, well, I think I'm just going to play gigs because Blaine had been playing on Broadway and he'd been making a steady living. And he was like, they don't play for gigs. They don't pay for gigs down there. And I was like, oh, that's not what I heard. Um, it was kind of funny. You know, I had nothing against this kid, but it was kind of funny to have sort of some information and to sort of, I don't want to say prove him wrong, but. Um, Isn't it funny how people will tell you that? And they've never lived here a second yeah, in their life. Yeah, people kind of have a closed door yeah. mentality. Um, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so I got down here. And, uh, man, I think the first night Blaine, Will, and I got drunk as Oh, scums. yeah, it was the first night you got here. You came out to the yeah. farm. The three yeah, of us we got shit smoked house cigars and got <laughs> yeah. tuned up. We drank some, bullet, bullet rye. And, yeah. Cigars. I'm going to have a picture of the my phone of that. Yeah. So... Blaine was down here for seven months, I think, before I moved down here. Um, and he had a family friend that owned this big, beautiful farm out way out southwest of town. town. And um, I knew nothing about it, man. Like, I would call Blaine, and I thought he was sleeping on fucking hay bales. And the, the, the plan, the <laughs> plan was, was, yeah, maybe. The plan was uh, he was going to stay there until I moved to town, and then he and I were going to get a place together. Um, and then push came to shove, and the owner of the farm said that he and I could – stay there um which was very nice because it's beautiful what i came to find was it was a beautiful tobacco barn that he refurbished and so on like 180 acres and um in nashville yeah just in fairview so about 45 minutes outside of town way out past kingston springs southwest of, the, of town yeah one of the nicest places i've been nice. beautiful 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 yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a refurbished yeah it was, very it was nice. an old tobacco barn that he bought yeah. and and got in and um, turned into it, it was a barn palace it was a hell of a spot man so <laughs> they had Blaine toys and I, out there and Blaine and I lived there for yards. three years but anyways I moved out there and uh, yeah Blaine hooked me up with uh, he was playing at Tootsie's at the time um, and every Saturday at about two o'clock they would have these open mics um, where you'd sing with the house band and it was kind of like an audition where you'd put your name and number down and if they liked you, they'd keep you and have you play acoustic gigs after that. So that worked out well. Um, and then I started cutting my teeth doing acoustic gigs. What's cutting my teeth mean? Uh, just <laughs> figuring like it, it out. It's like as the crow flies. It's like yeah, that. Yeah. I was very, I was very, um, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of songs or how to play live or the type of atmosphere I was playing in here in Nashville. But cutting my teeth. Cutting my teeth is um, get, gaining experience. Gaining experience. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah, the exactly. picture I'm talking wow. about. Yeah. That's, that was the first night Mike moved to Nashville. That was September 2015. Serious goatee. Let me see that picture, Nathan. What's he got there? This is Will yeah. I. Yeah, that's Smoking the one. Smoking a stogie. Man. <laughs> yeah, goatee you had some Blaine. nice cigars. Goatee Blaine. We, uh, we stayed up late. We were celebrating. It was an awesome night. It was a lot of fun. We were all just so young and green and mm-hmm. had no idea Very what green. the journey was going to bring. <clears throat> Sorry, I interrupted. Continue. No, so anyway, so um, for a long time, maybe a year or two, I was playing these acoustic gigs where the management of Tootsie's would send you to a particular bar. Now, they owned Tootsie's, Rippy's, Honky Tonk Central, soon to be Kid Rock's, a few other spots on in town. Um, and I'd wake up in the morning. We had no cell service at the barn. So I what I'd have to do every morning, and mind mind you, mind you, Blaine was playing with a house band. He was established. He was cool. He had three or four gigs a week. He'd come home with money in his pocket. I'd have to wake up. <laughs> I'd have to wake up every morning, and I'd drive to the top of the hill, pass the cows, wake them up in the morning, get cell service. I'd call the manager at the bar, and I might not get a gig that day. So I'd drive back down with my shoulders up high, and I'd be like, "Man, I didn't get a gig." You know, what was rent like though in this barn? And the beautiful thing was the man did well off and he, this was sort of his like vacation spot or his hobby. So it was kind of a work stay for us. So we'd tend to the cows, take care of the chickens, mow the lawn. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? yeah. It was very much wow. a work there was day. plenty of mowing and weed eating to do. So there was, there was plenty of work to be done. How did you hook that up? It was um, a, fa- a family friend of Blaine's. From my, yeah. From back, back home. He uh, got a uh, guy and his wife grew up with, uh, with my parents back home. I wish you guys could see like what's in my head because I'm, <laughs> It's uh, whatever's in your you head. Do you have a photo of it in the distance? That. Like, it's a lot yeah, the yeah. probably you show. Yeah, you should yeah. show them. That's cool. It's really cool. This winding, beautiful road all the way down there, and then you pull down like a gated driveway. So you guys are just milking cows in the morning and and you know, singing they, they songs. Were, they were beef cows, so we didn't, we didn't have to milk them. Yeah, so we <laughs> milked the cows and then. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so I was just. Um, it was very intimidating at first because I didn't know any songs. I remember the summer before I moved to Nashville, Blaine sent me like a list of songs. And I was like, yeah, man, I got this. And like I got here. songs that you need to know. Of like all like, the cover like Broadway standards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, there's sort of a set list on Broadway that you're supposed to sort of know to be prepared for, for the masses. Um, I didn't learn any of them. And I came down here and he was like, man, you were supposed to learn these songs. I was like, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so... So that's what I mean by cutting your teeth, Nathan. I mean, uh, I had to learn a lot. And very early on, they threw me in with this house band. And that was a big mistake on their part because I didn't know a damn thing. So if you uh, were to play a gig, though, and someone would request a song, would you just say, hey, how about this instead? Or like... That's a good question. <laughs> I was... Do? Man, it was such a long like time Like early ago. on, if someone asks you, hey, play this song, what do you, and you can't do it, what do yeah. you do? Yeah. So would, not, not only did I not know the songs, but I didn't know how to run a crowd. So I would just kind of be sort of like a deer in the headlights. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so sorry. Just ignore the person? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was kind of one of those things. <laughs> I'm just going to play this um, song. It's a, lear- it's a learning experience. I mean, yeah. that's why that's why the Tootsies guys had most new artists to town start off gotcha. doing acoustic stuff in the morning to mostly an empty bar because most people – when they move to Nashville, don't have experience already of playing with a full band or fronting right, a band. Right, Cause right. there's, there's more to it than just standing up there and singing. Like you have to talk to the crowd. You have to, and down here you, you know, have to, you have to work the tip jar, which yeah. is a different experience for all of us. It yeah. is so funny that you bring, yeah. bring all that up because like I'm, I, this is not, I don't do gigs. You know, I like being involved in music and stuff, but 
I've had a few times where I've like put on these shows and like I'll go and like introduce the person and I'll go up and stand in front of the mic and I see everyone out there and I'm like, what do I even say? Like, and I try a joke and I'm like, this is not a good joke. You know, like I feel like you start to pick up on those little things, but you have to be pretty deliberate and you end up, I feel like Blaine, I've seen Blaine play a few times, uh, and he's got the same like kind of radio voice jokes and that he tells. Yeah, but the first the times stuff. you do it, you don't really. It, it sounds foreign when you first do it. Um, are you thinking about it? Like your first few gigs that you're oh, doing? Oh, completely. You... And like I said, I Blame is very good. Um, no, like are you thinking about it beforehand? Like even before you go up stage, like this is a joke I'm going to tell in between songs? Or... Man, back in the early days, no. So I'll tell you now. Um, now it's a lot more shoot from the hip because you're like, we've been doing it for almost 10 years now. Yeah. So we're very comfortable. So, um, I play with a lot of bands down here, a lot of house bands. I had my own band for a long time. Now I'm doing stuff on my own. Um, and now there's a comfort when you sit up there and it could be a full crowd and you kind of pick them apart and it's much more of me reading them than them looking at me. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And as a far as, as far as a Broadway perspective, kind of working for tips, a lot of the time you'll ask where they're from. You'll ask how long they're in town for, you'll ask what they're doing. Um, and you'll get little nuances and you'll pick up on their emotions and things. And I'll get a vibe pretty quickly on how they're feeling or sort of things like that. And then you'll come up with something that's witty but that takes a lot of practice, you know, like when I first moved here, that was, I, I had none of that, you know, but, uh, after going through it and kind of sending yourself through the ringer, you kind of feel more comfortable and it becomes less, um, it's a lot more subconscious, you know, you're, you're not really focused on it as much as you're kind of just going to work every day. Um, and there's, there's ups and downs and yeah. Um, so to, to speak to that, like, so you've learned so much and you've, you've become so talented in the way you kind of read crowds, but is there one that you remember the most as being probably your worst Broadway show where, you know, cause I've got a story I could tell, yeah. but I'm interested in hearing what maybe you and Blaine have yeah. for like top, top worst show I've ever played. Maybe you just weren't ready for it. It was yeah. a bad crowd, you know, yeah, I've got a couple, you were awkward. Um, I've got a couple. So, um, I have a lot of people to be grateful for in this. So like when you're on stage, um, it's easy to let the crowd get to you and get emotional about it and sort of react to it. So I had a few people that sort of taught me to sort of, there's, there's an invisible wall, um, between you and them. And I've had some shows where that wall was non-existent and I kind of react. I was very reactive. <laughs> To drunk people, you know, because you're dealing with yeah, a lot of that. Time. Blaine, Blaine and I have some stories, but I want to yeah. hear. I want to hear yours. I don't think we've yeah. ever talked about it before. Um, and it was it's nothing too crazy. Um, there's a couple shows. It's very early on. Some of those shows were like I didn't know any songs and I was very embarrassed. Um, and then a couple shows I remember right before I started the band where uh, I had like drunk people come up and I just like reacted, you know, and it just gets to you, you know, and you feel very. Uh, you know, you internalize it. Well, you're, yeah, you're almost on this pedestal yeah. that everyone's putting you on yeah, and, yeah. and you're trying to perform. And then if someone's drunk and they go into your personal space yeah. or whatever it might be, you know, that there is that natural feeling to react. Totally. And, and I remember, uh, 
so I had this band for maybe five years down here. And initially we were sort of a three-piece trio and then we became a full band. But I remember early on when we were a trio, one of the guys in the band said something to me that sort of made me think. Um, and he was talking about me reacting to guys in the crowd. And it was just like a switch that flipped. I was like, oh man, okay, I really need to think about this. And my wife was really uh, much a testament to that as well because she was a figure skater for a long time. So she was very big on like... Mm. Um, putting on a smile and like not letting the outside get to you, like no matter how you're feeling. And that was so foreign to me because I yeah. come from like, you know, where's his emotions on his sleeve, a lot of junk in the basement, you know, that kind of comes up. Um, yeah. But I think people, people appreciate that. It's like the authenticity of it. They like, do, but I, I try to show it in the right way. Like now I'm trying to show it through. My I guess, music. I guess it's different. If, like there's different if, ways of expressing yeah. yourself. They're healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If a drunk <laughs> person comes up to you, you can't yeah. just lose yeah, it. Yeah. On them because, <laughs> let's, uh, let's yeah. touch on the band while we're, while we're there, the Northern yeah. lights talk about how that started and what, yeah, what kind sure. of the, how that went for a while. Um, so going back to my audition at Tootsie's, um, Oh yeah, you and Garrett auditioned the same yeah, day. Yeah, right? it was a Saturday, and uh, I was so fucking hungover. Um, <laughs> I think the three of us got drunk the night before. Yeah, blame Will and I. Pissed drunk, man. Pissed drunk. How we never drank. I don't know. It was probably our first time. You guys are always drunk. I see um, you guys twice a week, and you guys are always. Drunk. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah, or so you're on your way. I was so hungover, <laughs> and I. Uh, it's a poly pure over here. Never had a drop of alcohol. No, I'm just saying you guys are always either drunk or not to talk shit, but it's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Is it not? Honestly, I mean, what, what, like we're in the right industry. I'm actually, I said that as a joke, but no, we we do this podcast once a week. And we, have and we a couple do, beers. We, yeah, we do. Yeah. We're either on our way or we're drunk. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> on our way, yeah. brother. We're on our way. Always. Um, but I, I had a Northern Lights song yeah, on my right. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had, I had nothing, you know, and, um, I had Wayne, I had Blaine and Will, um, and also Wayne and also Wayne, Wayne. that's also my nickname. Wayne. My nickname is Wayne. <laughs> and Nathan was probably out there somewhere, man. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, so Blaine are walking down to Tootsie's and was hung over, but I was, I really wanted a job, you know, I wanted to make some money and I wanted to start playing music and that, that felt like the only way to do it. Um, so I played that audition and then the manager was like, come back tomorrow at 10, come back to the second floor. And I remember I walked in, I parked, I had my guitar, I walked in and there was this big, big kid about my age, about six foot six, leaning on the bar with his elbows back on the bar. And I remember from the day prior, he had, it, had auditioned before me and he sounded really good. I sat down next to him. I was like, Hey man, I remember you, you were here yesterday. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I said, you know, they told me to play today. Are you playing today too? And he said, yeah. So I played my first gig with this kid. Um, Garrett Thorne is his name. He's, he's here in town. Uh, and yeah, we started cutting our teeth, doing the acoustic thing. And as far as, so the acoustic gigs and, and as far as the Tootsie circuit goes, um, the manager sends you to a bar at a certain time and you don't know who's going to be there. It's, and there's three guys. So it's you and two other people and you don't know who they're going to be. So you're either happy that it's your buddy or pissed off that it's somebody you don't like or somebody you never met. So I was happy that I had some familiarity with with him uh, doing my first gig here. But there's uh, also like a um, there's just like little rules that people just know. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. And they're they're hard on new guys there where they're like, you got to learn the songs. 
you got to do it this way and you got to make sure you're smiling. You got to talk to the crowd. Um, so anyways, so I was, I was doing the acoustic thing for a long time. And so me and Garrett, um, did that for maybe a year or so. And then come time where we start playing with house bands and we go our separate ways. Uh, you play in a few different bars, you start making more friends. And then there was sort of this wave that sort of fell. And I remember being close with him and I said, Hey man, you ever think about doing something like doing some original music? Like you want to get a group together? And uh, he was like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I met this other kid who we were playing sort of acoustic gigs with sporadically. Um, and it became this, uh, this trio where we were very big on harmonies and like, we love the Eagles and the Almond Brothers and Southern rock. And um, it was this really cool thing for a long time. It was and that was, tr- that just, was the Northern Lights? Yeah. So, so when it started, it was just a trio and then we formed that name um, we had a manager and it was starting to pick up some steam. Um, how quick did you yeah, get the, it? The name came from the Northern lights came from the fact that all three guys were from the North. <clears throat> he was from Boston. Garrett was from Wisconsin and Niall was from Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. So that's where they came um, from. So we try to maintain that identity. Uh, how quick did you get a manager? Well, one like, of the guys, one Niles, of the guys had it in Niall's already. Right, so yeah. she was working with us for a little bit. It didn't last very long. Um, but uh, that was sort of the first. There, there's kind of two chapters of the group because because it was about five years long. Um, yeah, so we ended up cutting ties with that manager, and then shortly cutting ties with the guy that had her. Um, I, I guess I just have questions about like managers in general. Like, yeah, do people? Yeah, it, I don't have a ton of experience with having a manager or having an agent. Um, when do you even now? Because I, I hope we get to that point now. Because that's kind of where I'm at this is the important part where I'm at now and where I'm going as a solo artist. Um, but that was a learning experience. Cause we were very, I, you know, uh, it was this one guy and he had a manager and it was like exciting. It was like, man, she, he's got a manager and she's going to manage oh, us and she's going to take us to the promised land. And I was like, hell yeah. Um, I just met my wife at the time we were dating and I was like, man, I'm doing like, look at me, man, I'm doing some <laughs> stuff, you know, flashback to the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Girls like me now. The band's yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> Life a, is great. I was the coolest guy in town. I was growing my hair out. I was like, man, hell yeah. Pass me another fireball. Uh, um, but yeah, so that was kind of short lived, but there was a lesson involved in sort of the industry and having a manager and the ins and outs of that, uh, but then uh, our, the manager of Tootsie's in the whole process, they had started building Kid, Kid Rocks at the time. And they said, we want you to go there and we want you to do a full band. And that was scary because, you know, we only had a little bit of experience playing with a bass player and a drummer and electric guitars. And that was a whole thing that we had to learn. Also, on top of that, Kid Rocks is one of the most popular spots. Yeah. For, yeah. For it became that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we were drinking Bud Lights and we were playing at Kid Rocks. Nobody on the Bud Lights? I, I before, heard it. Before, before Kid Rock, yeah. Oh, I got that now. Before Kid yeah, Rock yeah. band. I just Bud never Lights. really got yeah. why yeah. he got so mad. Now we drink Bush Light. Yeah. Same company. Yeah, it's all beer, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So we did that. So that's kind of the second chapter. And we had some different personnel in the band. Um, started releasing music. Um, learned a lot being independent. Uh, yeah. And then uh, COVID hit. I got married. I had a kid and then uh, the band sort of disbanded after that. 
Um, not for one reason or another. It was just kind of one of those things. We sort of just dissolved. But you guys did put some music out. We right? put a we put an EP out. An EP out early on in the early acoustic days, and we went to the studio and cut a full band EP with that manager actually, uh, and it was great. Uh, the manager, or sorry, the uh, producer we worked with was sort of pop oriented, so it sort of had that mainstream country pop sound, uh, which was which was good, and it was exciting to be a part of. But we knew that we were heading to sort of more of a raw sound. We loved. We <laughs> you okay, Corey? Yeah. We loved. Blame, blame it. it on the dog. It was disco. This episode has been brought to you by Trippy McTrippers over here. <laughs> uh, but so our influences were like the Eagles. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that one. Out. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm just gonna wait, and then I'm gonna come in. Corey tripped over the um, dog. Keep game. going. Yeah. Uh, um, but our influences were some of those old '70s rock bands like the Eagles and the Almond Brothers, and um, so we were hoping to achieve some of that. But uh, yeah, anyways, so the band broke up, and I was kind of in a place where the rest of us were musically and in life after COVID, where it's like, where we're we gonna, what are we gonna do with it? Um, I had to get some new gigs on Broadway and I had a variety of songs that I had written by myself. Um, and my influence as a solo artist is primarily more folk Americana, like James Taylor, Jim Croce. I love uh, Jason Isbell, that kind of, that mm-hmm. kind of vibe. So I was looking for opportunities that way and having a wife and a kid um, was feeling a lot of pressure to keep pushing and especially financially and, you know, I just I just had to make some moves. You know, I've been here seven or eight years at the time. Um, so yeah, I started uh, playing solo gigs by myself, and that was very advantageous financially and sort of networking. I was very good at. Uh, I had that experience playing with a band where I was a front guy for a long time, and I'd have a wireless mic and I'd run around the bar. Um, so I I I felt good. You know, I felt confident and. So going back to just me on a bar stool was uh, it was sort of this like weird full circle type deal where I was like, all right, I gained all this experience and learned all these songs. And here I am. I'm ready to kind of push forward. Now I had sort of a new purpose. Did it feel like a step back or did it feel it was for sure a step back? Because when I had that band, I felt like we were like, I felt like we had greatness and I felt like we were going to go sign a record deal because early on we met with um, Blaine and I had had become friends with Mark Allen Springer, great songwriter here in town um, through the guy that owned the farm. And he had taken a liking to our trio, the band we had and shopped us around to record labels. And I remember going into Sony music and, and it's like fucking Sony, right? So you go up and they're, they're right downtown and you go up to the top floor and you go and they have like a little studio there. And it's like sort of a, a, where you can play live shows mm-hmm. and they've got monitors and microphones. And so we sit down acoustic and Jim Catino, who was the president of A&R, comes and sits down. There's three leather chairs. He comes in with himself and two girls. No way. So the head of A and R and yeah, yeah, that's wild. And he comes and sits down, and he goes, I would have shit my pants. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't have any social media following or anything like that. 
He comes to town. He goes, all right, guys, let's, let's see what you got. And we're like, all right. We had a series of songs and we had some covers and played them for him. And he was like, I love your sound. Um, I think he was like, work on your social media following. Keep writing some of that rock stuff. We really like that rock stuff. Come back. The door is always open. So that last line is what I took from him. The door is open. To not have a door closed by a major record label was very exciting. Like, wow, they're not saying for no. Sure, for sure. That's good. Um, yeah, they weren't like, just say, get the fuck yeah, out of here. Yeah, we hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they didn't say any of that. That's good. Um, but it was kind of a learning experience in a lot of ways. Like... Did you guys... Oh, sorry not to cut you off. No, 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 go ahead. Kind of going into that moment, what was the buildup for that? So it must have been like wow, we have, you know, three days to do this or we have two weeks to do this. Like how, how long did you have to prepare and how much did you prepare for that moment to kind of sit down and, and to have that? Because yeah. there's not yeah. many people in this town, I'd say maybe like, what, a quarter of a percent of people that get to the top of Sony and sit in front of the A&R president and yeah. be able to do that. So that's like a good how, question. How long um, did you guys prepare for that? And like, what did that feel like? Yeah. I don't remember much of a time frame, but I know that we had a series of songs that we had written and a few covers that we felt good about. And we had some time, maybe a few weeks to sort of prepare mentally and think about how, I think maybe we did two or three songs with them. Uh, so we had some songs that we were gonna play, some things we were gonna say. That shouldn't have rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> But uh <laughs> comes out naturally sometimes. Yeah. But we had we had sort of the faces we were gonna wear, like the whole the whole thing. Um, pages you were gonna tear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Green eggs and ham, baby. Try not to swear. <laughs> yeah. Um and it was very intimidating, but uh yeah, I don't know. I guess it didn't materialize, obviously, but it was very much a learning experience, learning about what a label is looking for. And uh, one of the, another one of the big things that he said was in the days of streaming services, all kinds of music are very accessible. Everybody can kind of get any kind of music they want at any time, whatever they want. Um, so I learned very quickly that one, I could play any kind of music I wanted. Two, I could put it out at any time to anyone. And three, I needed a good social media following to get a notice from anyone. Mm. So it was kind of a half-hearted no from Sony. But I was like, all right, I know what they're looking for now. And I don't even know if I want it yet. And that kind of, I got my back up against record labels for a while because I knew that they were just looking for a guy with a big following. But then I was kind of like, okay, well, that's the ultimate goal is to have a big following and have a record deal and be successful. So I was like, okay, so I know that the steps I need to, I, I know that they're, you know, I knew the path, whereas before it was very vague. Um, yeah, yeah. So I ended up being a solo artist after the whole process, COVID and having a kid and getting married and schedules and it, it gets complicated as you move forward here in town they call it a 10-year town for a reason mm. you know it was funny because when we started playing here i was a year after blaine will was sort of in my class and there's a class of musicians that play at least on broadway for example and you kind of see every year that progresses guys sort of drop off you start seeing less of people and less of people and 
they say, if you stick around long enough, you'll have some success in this town. And so all three of us started to see that over the years, people leave and we start getting opportunities and, um, yeah, yeah just keep showing up. Yeah. Keep it keep starts to materialize a little bit. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, the band was a very, very great experience. I don't regret a minute of it. I don't regret a minute of my process on Broadway. I'm still there. So I obviously I don't have any, uh, uh, animosity towards it. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's funny how experience helps you, you know, um, after that, after COVID and everything, having a wife and kids, I started recording a solo album and that's where I'm at now. Recorded a few songs, recorded a few more. And then I got to the point where I had eight songs, seven originals and one cover. And I was like, okay, this is great. I've got something on the back burner. Um, and then I was talking a lot with Blaine because Blaine was releasing music for the last couple of years. And I was talking to him about his process and he was working with the management team and talking about social media and timing and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So it's just one of those things now where we're all independent artists and it's just like nose to the grindstone, man, you know, just keep tell, tell us about the process of, so, so to get into his most current project or his new, you just released an album yeah. a couple months ago yeah. or whatever. Um, eight song album, one cover, seven originals. Um, the wrote, I think all those songs by yourself, right? I was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. There's, there's one yeah. of them. But tell us about the that recording process. Who you, who'd you work with? Where'd you record it? The whole go through that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this has been going on over the last maybe year, year and a half. Yeah. So it's two, it's two years now. Um, yeah, and all the songs I wrote were over the last however long I've been here in town. It's kind of sporadic. Um, but I was getting to a point after the band where I was like, I want to start recording stuff. Um, and I wasn't sure about who I should work with and how I should do it. And logistics are very tough as far as scheduling and personnel and everything. So uh, I mentioned my wife is a figure skating coach. She had one of her skaters. Her dad was a producer here in town and his wife and them were session players and they live out in Bellevue. It was very close to us. So, I was like, all right. And I kind of had the mentality where I was going to do um, just like acoustic recordings, just me and acoustic guitar, just playing and singing. And I was going to release that because I needed, I, I just felt like I needed to get something out. Uh, and I went one day, I think my wife and the kid were out of town. So I had the full day, man. Can we just think about having a full day to yourself <laughs> for a second? How good I that had one feels? today, actually. <laughs> I feel like I have them. Nathan, think about a full day, man. Yeah, Mike's got two kids. I one's two three, kids. one's one. Yeah. yeah. A full Mike, day. Mike doesn't have any anyway, time to so himself. I had this full day and I went to the studio and uh, it was just me and my producer, John Estes. And, uh, home man, studio, right? His yeah. House. Home studio yeah. in his basement. Hell of a setup. Great setup. And he's a brilliant engineer and producer and he plays a million instruments. Um, and I didn't know what I was getting into. I just wanted to kind of humor my wife. And I went in there. <laughs> Don't cut that out. Uh, and uh, by the end of the day, you know, he had played a bunch of instruments. I had played some instruments. And we put this like full band sound together. And I was literally driving out of his neighborhood. And I was about to turn on 70 to go back home. And he sends me the link. And I played it. And I was like, holy smokes. This sounds great. And so I called my wife. I was like, 
What song was that? Was that Greenwood? So it was Greenwood, yeah. So uh, Great song. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I was like, man, all right, all right. I'm, and, he, and it worked with my schedule. It worked financially. It worked uh, as far as putting the sound together. I loved him. Chemistry was good. And so it wasn't like, it was very organic. It wasn't like, I'm going to record an album with this guy. It was like, okay, I'm going to re- record another song. And I'm going to go back and do another song, another song, another song. And uh, next thing I knew, I had eight songs. And I was like, okay, well, now I have a full album. Let's talk about releasing it. Um, so I was getting tips from Blaine, getting tips from John about the process, about media, about releasing. And um, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. It was kind of like this new chapter, right? Because you're here for so long. This was kind of the next chapter. And... Like I said, I needed to get the ball rolling. So, um, tell us about the uh, the one cover song. Yeah, that? so I did uh, I did a Jackson Brown cover. The songs these days, um, Willie and I have talked a lot about about Jackson Great song, Brown. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why I came to it. It's kind of funny deciding a cover song, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to do a cover song. I think uh, I just wanted to pay homage to all the gigs that I've done over the years. You know. You like playing other people's songs for so long, so yeah. many hours. You know, I just I just wanted to do it, and the way that like social media or sorry, um, streaming services are, it doesn't necessarily matter financially. You know, I mean, you're just putting your song out, and um, it's unfortunate the songwriters, the cuts they're getting on Spotify and Apple Music and everything. I, I don't know. We yeah, take that it's out. Pretty hard to make money. Off yeah. So Corey, uh, we, me and Corey put out music we have twelve dollars we just oh, found out nice we made twelve dollars nice. probably cost you a, a thousand to make the recording made 12 bucks out uh, if we were to put <laughs> it into like an hourly wage yeah yeah, yeah we're yeah. probably making like you know 30 cents an hour yeah i was excited to see the twelve dollars oh, personally yeah I've got a whole. I got a, I got a whole story. About I, that. I got. I got my uh, my like ten ninety nine because it's tax season right now. I got my ten ninety nine from BMI. Ten ninety nine C whatever whatever it is. It is uh, like, yeah. like 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 the royalties that I made this year. Uh, yeah, I I just got mine. I'm gonna, I'm and gonna I, try hard not to spend it all in one place. I haven't gotten I haven't gotten my royalties uh, at all. But they still sent me that. Corey, we need to look into I had the wrong keys. address. Oh, really? And I, I got so it. Uh, I, I'm set up on direct deposit, so it goes right into my. I didn't know that was an uh, option because I never LLC had royalties until yeah, yeah. this year. I got into a movie and a TV show. Oh, yeah, that's right. And yeah. then they were oh, like, okay. hey, by yeah. the way, you have. Well, I didn't know. Will, Will finally made that mailbox money. They've been sending it to the wrong mailbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, first, the first address I had in Nashville, I signed up with BMI. And I would check BMI like once every like two years and I'd look and I'd laugh. He's and it's moved like about 18 times 12, since then. 12 bucks, 13 bucks, whatever it is. And then um, I was out to dinner with my my buddy Gabe, who's on this project with me. And we had a couple songs on sync and licensing. And, you know, Gabe looks at me. He's like, dude, did you check your BMI account? And I started laughing. I'm like, why would I check my BMI account? He was like, we just got a placement on a Reba McIntyre oh. Lifetime movie. And I was like what? I was like, why didn't anyone tell me that? <laughs> he's like, it's in your BMI account. I'm like, why didn't Reba call? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. there's no way. And he's like, yeah, we just got a placement. And uh, I just got direct deposit for like 500 bucks. And I was like, what? And I like look at my BMI account and we had gotten paid for a couple episodes of a TV show. And also 
the you know 500 bucks for the movie and i had the wrong address in it so they sent both or all three of the checks to the wrong address and I've called them four times now. And if anyone's listening to this, <laughs> Wait, I you, why, why wouldn't you, you just go to BMI, BMI and get your money? Dude, I called them four times and told them that the address was wrong. Yep. And they you told me. You can do me, it online. You can change it. I put direct deposit, but they're not going to direct deposit bounce checks. That money's gone. All right, BMI, you're listening <laughs> right now. Yeah. They told me they were going to read. over there. They were going to charge. There. They said they, they'll charge me 30 bucks to uh, reestablish the check or whatever it was. Rewrite the check. And I'm like, so you're going to take another $30? I was like, okay. I think in the last eight years, I've n- not made $30 from you guys. And I'm giving you $30 to get my money back. Mail is hard <laughs> to get. Like, mailing system is difficult. Yeah, and checks yeah and mail is yeah. hard. Mail is difficult. Mail to is so hard, dude. Yeah. It's, it's, difficult. it's difficult. It's so analog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Mike, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just That's I think. Okay. So you finished your first project. And now you're, you're thinking about your second project. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got that album out and the way these guys can attest to it, the, they want you to release singles sort of sweet. So I did a few singles and then released the full album. So I need to focus on, um, social media and getting some videos out and content. I'm realizing more and more how, prevalent that is like blaine was the one that turned me on to tiktok and i didn't realize how big tiktok was i you know and i'm still i have nothing of a following it's very small it's very early on for me how do you feel about doing all that stuff i mean it feels like a full-time job man especially having kids like i'll put my kids down for a nap and i'll go make a video and off to post it and it's a whole process and there's sort of an addiction i can feel it there where you're like man like i'm in on it you know and it's cool to see growth because there for sure but you got to put the time in, you know, if you stop, it sort of plateaus off and drops off. Um, I had this moment. So I play a few gigs around town now solo and I play at the airport and this young kid came up to me and he's like, are you on TikTok? And I was like, yeah, man, that's my, I put it up on an easel, right? My social media. And it's right there. It's right on the chalkboard. He's, it literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, man, I swear I follow you. And, and I looked it up and he's like, yeah, I follow you. I'm like, wow, man. It's just one young kid, but I'm like, oh, I like, I know young people like me. That's is cool. That, you know? Bobby played his guitar on the hard yeah. side of town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was a nice thing to hear. Yeah, it's, it validates the social media process okay. because you feel like you're just doing. It's just falling on. You know, I've, ears, I've, you know? I've I've had it happen a few times where like I know somebody's music. That's not like a big time artist yeah. in Nashville, and I've seen them play, and I've gone up to them after, and I, on the other side of this, I feel like they're like why'd you come talk to me? Yeah. So I don't know if sometimes if you're supposed to say like, Hey, I follow you on Instagram or TikTok or something, if that's like a rude thing or like, Yo, I don't know much about I that. I guess maybe it I, also depends how you say it. Yeah. I don't but, know much about that, but I do know the yeah. social media works for sure. I mean, there's the Zach Bryans and the Noah cons, like those guys made huge print money. Huge followers. So if someone yeah, I mean, comes up to you guys and if someone comes up to you on Broadway and is like, hey, oh, Blaine, yeah, hey, I follow, follow you on Instagram. One, one guy you, came up yeah. to me uh, at a coffee. Yeah, I was working at a, it wasn't a coffee shop, but it was a restaurant out in Belle Mead. And I was working there, was bartending, and I came around the corner to go to the bathroom and it was super busy. There's people everywhere. And this guy goes, are you Will Pellerin? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's kind of like... Yeah, damn right. I how would you? I was like, how would, <laughs> I listen yeah. to your, your podcast. Yeah. No, he goes, 
He was like, hey, man, uh, this is kind of weird that I recognize you. Like, I just want to introduce myself. And he told it was like the nicest thing ever. I was having a horrible day. I was so in the weeds. I was like struggling to get through the day. This was such a tough like bar shift. And he was like, I saw you in Nashville, in East Nashville, like a few years ago. And I followed you on YouTube. And he's like, you inspired me to move to Nashville. And wow. when he told me that, oh. it like blew my mind. I was, I don't, I don't, we never like, we never like, chance buddy, to I'm talk. I'm having a tough day. Can you <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no pictures, no autographs. No, but like when he said that, I, it just hit me right in like the core. I was oh, like, that's cool. Wow. You never know. And, and this, it's just kind of a, a comment on, you never know who is going to be watching and listening. That's so true, and man. And you yeah. can influence people in such small and big ways. And I think with social media, the only opportunities I've had, like the biggest opportunities I've had have come from me just putting out YouTube videos mm. or like putting music on. I mean, I, I don't do TikTok anymore and I there's not a great reason for it, but um, I'm on TikTok a lot. I just don't post. But uh, anyways, to, what I was trying to say is that, you know, it doesn't matter what you're putting out there. As long as you're making content that you believe in and what you love, it's going to reach somebody and it's going to, you know, inspire them to either check out more of your stuff or move to Nashville. Who knows? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. What's, your, what's your TikTok, Chris? Plug, plug, the, plug the TikTok. Chris, Mike. I mean, oh, exactly. You know what's funny? Yeah, Chris, what's your TikTok? So you know, the Don't edit that person. out, Corey. <laughs> no, we're going to keep that in. You I dirty you bastard, you. <laughs> I've told Corey 10 times because Chris Godwin is a football player. He's on my fantasy team. Oh, there you go. There you go. He probably has an album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Corey also. It's funny. He's like the worst person I know with, with names. God damn it, Corey. <laughs> we talked about this for so Chris anyways yeah uh, so what is your TikTok Chris uh, so it's Chris J Godwin no it's Mike it's Mike J Godwin um, I think it's that for everything Mike J Godwin yes yeah, I'm not gonna spell it for you it's what his Venmo is figure, too, he wants figure to the fuck money. out Chris diapers are expensive yeah. yeah but listen to my music man um, got a whole album yeah, out yeah check out the the uh, title track is uh is it pieces of me is that the name pieces of, the album? of me yeah check out the, the download the pieces of me album also go check out the northern light stuff too you might still get a little bmi check from that if people listen yeah to it, we got you know? some stuff out yeah yeah go listen to what's it would you have a do you have a favorite uh what's your what's your favorite track off the new album you got a favorite original off um that, that album? well the most popular has been the title track pieces of me um i don't know it's it's weird when you're in your own songs. I I like that one a lot. I like Greenwood. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really cool to see people like your stuff. It's like a new sort of feeling. Uh, yeah, pieces of me. Check it out. Yeah, I've always felt you know. that feeling of writing something and then you play it at a show and people are singing along or or maybe they come up to you and they ask you about a song you wrote two years ago and. Yeah, it feels weird, right? It's like, wait, how did you... They're like, yeah, I saw you at XYZ show. And, you know, it might be a song that you wrote completely by yourself in this whole headspace. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just one of those people that... It's a surprise every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I appreciate. I, I hear love. you, man. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I can relate to that. To, to Not as a music person, but uh, I had a... Uh, someone reached out to me um, to give me feedback on the website that we have. And it's actually from upstate New, New York. His name is Shlomo Franklin. Yeah. 
Yeah, he said that you guys knew each other. Yeah, I, I uh, he's a great songwriter. I, yeah, he's, he's friends great. with he's friends with my buddy Daryl, and oh, cool. uh, we we've met a few times. But uh, sorry, but yeah, I was just saying. Yeah. yeah, no, he just hit me up and was like, "Hey, I, I see what you guys are doing," and uh, just wanted to grab coffee. So I grabbed coffee with him, and he he showed me some like bugs on the site that weren't working for him and stuff, and. He's just like super chill, like nice guy to to chat with from upstate New York, and wow. it was it was cool to to see people kind of reach out and just connect with you on on something that you're you're creating. So I can relate to that. Yeah, and, and as far as Tune Hatch goes, do you get a lot of that organic response, like people messaging on Instagram. Uh, do you have like do you have to direct people towards the website to sign up? Like, what is the most uh, yeah, no, people are like, uh, people are figuring it out. Um, you can apply to some, some gigs. There's a, a sushi place that's doing shows on Saturday nights, um, where you can apply to play there as a band. And there's like places on Broadway that have open gigs and some ticketed shows in, uh, East Nashville. Um, so people are, are figuring that out. What we're learning is that there's like a lot of glitches on the site here and there. If you wait for anything to be perfect, it's just never you never put anything out. So, um, yeah, sometimes people hit us up and say, Hey, I'm trying to apply for this, but like this button doesn't work, you know, or, uh, fans will be asking for like a refund or something. We're like just a, a website. So yeah, we, we get a lot of messages and it's starting to starting to click and stuff. Well, why don't you tell Mike a little bit about tune hatches? I know we touched on it the last couple of podcasts, but cause I know you want to get him on one of these shows eventually. So yeah, no, we uh, we have a website called Tune Hatch. We help music venues book musicians and also promote their shows and sell tickets. We have 15 venues in town that are starting to use us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool that yeah. um, people are starting to use it. Um, I use this podcast as just like a way to get to know artists in town and just have conversations with people. Um, but yeah, there's there's openings for, for gigs. Like if you ever want to play um there's there's openings on gigs for 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 people to play on tune hatch so and you guys do like ticketed events too right like some of those things we talked about last time or yeah some ticketed shows um mostly ticketed shows um the gigs there's a couple of like gigs that are open there's we we just have a a, uh, opened up one for like a contest um at cabarets uh ray stevens cabaret it's like a 750 cap venue that uh, they're trying to get people to apply to play there. Um, so it's just like mostly venues that are looking for different ways to start booking. So it's 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 cool. It's, it's starting to click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah. yeah, most people are kind of they come to Nashville. They figure out like what their what their uh, lane is, you know. And if it's like uh, Broadway or if it's ticketed shows, they kind of figure it yeah, out. Yeah, that's the thing, man. People get. Uh, it's a bigger city than it appears. You know, I moved down here and, and Blaine sort of pushed me towards Broadway. But then once you get down here, you sort of expand a little bit. You don't blame it on me. Yeah, I do a little <laughs> bit. I blame you and I credit you. you know? Well, Blaine's the mayor of, of, uh, of Broadway. Oh, we yeah. talk about this all the time. Oh, yeah. They all say. But it's funny. Like, if you don't have a, if you don't have a direction when you move down here. Yeah, we're we're still getting this this layout of this podcast well, figured out, and right now it's like we just break everything. We try to it's like walk obstacle the course to leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, speaking of Blaine and Mayor of uh, Nashville, Blaine just put out his EP. 
You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not the mayor of Nashville. Mayor, mayor of Broadway. <laughs> You're not the mayor of Nashville. Not yet. Well, mayor Broadway's Bro- a good, mayor of Broadway. good start. Yeah. Cooper, so, we're coming for you. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I did. I, I put a four-song EP out. Um, was it last week, I think? Last week or the week before? Yeah, so last week. Yeah, last Friday. Um, the 26th of January. Uh, so there's four brand new songs out there in the world. If anybody cares to check them out. You know, my dad's listened to one of them. That's the right. Mexico, yeah. Mexico the, song. the adios song. Adios. Yeah. Yep. I'm getting popular over in UAE. UAE. Yep. Yeah. You got a fan over there. Yeah. How was, um, how was that? Like, how's it going with, um, oh, it's going, it's still, <laughs> still a grind. Uh, nothing, nothing major has happened. Nothing big has happened, but kind of like what Mike was talking about earlier. Um, if you don't have the social media numbers and the streaming numbers, it seems like nothing really big happens. It's like, uh, you don't really get anywhere. Uh, there's a funny, um, I saw Craig Campbell, who's a country artist that had several hits years ago and still, you know, still in town. He's really, really good. He, uh, is one of the most underrated, I think, country artists in Nashville. He should have been bigger than he was, but he posted a really funny, um, like parody skit thing on, on Instagram reels. And I think on TikTok the other day, and it was like himself playing both characters and the one character he was like he's like i'm gonna give this guy a call and then he calls the guy and it's him again but he's like playing the part of a record label executive sitting in in you know uh, an office on music row and he's having a conversation back and forth and it's basically like man like the label guy said man we're so busy we just signed seven new tiktok artists and then Craig's like, oh, really? Nice. Like, he's like, yeah, there's one guy we're really excited about him, man. He's great. He's like, oh, cool. We got any music online I can check out? He's like, no, actually, he's been taking vocal lessons for the last year. So, like, we're still working on it. And he just does this whole bit. But it's it's like, the sad part is it's true. It's like, that's like, yeah. if you don't have a million followers on TikTok, then nobody gives a shit, you know? Yeah. So, we're all kind of battling that. We, yeah. None of us have figured out how to go viral yet, so... You know, it is what it is, but, but, uh, anyway, it's all good. Just well, keep, you're, keep you're, grinding away. you're the closest right now. Of, I am of the, yeah, but you're starting to get some traction with it. He's close to the top of the mountain. Yeah. I don't know. Me and my 22,000 TikTok followers, yeah, hell yeah. 22 million. That's awesome. Me and Corey did a TikTok once and, uh, we, uh, we covered the dance moves. It wasn't uh dance moves. We did a co- coordinated, uh, not a skit it was like a remix thing it was at the beginning of when i was trying to figure out what to do here in nashville and um took us about a day to create and probably about three months of of figuring out if i was comfortable putting it (laughs) three months yes and the answer was no i wasn't so you posted it anyway we posted it and then i i think i took it down without Corey knowing um but yeah the tiktok stuff like that's tough because, like, I did not want to put up that, that skit. It was terrible. Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I think it's gold. It's gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best part about TikTok, though, is that you might put out something you think is horrible, and then it blows up, and people think it's hilarious, and then you realize, oh, there might be something to this, or... Like I've posted covers where I felt like, oh, that was bad, but I know, right? It's so I think weird. The thing, and that might be the most popular thing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the thing that I realize most is like when you're not trying to be super calculated and yeah. you're just being yourself. 
That's and people can yeah. kind of relate to that you're just being yourself. Yeah. Even if it is like a little bit crazy, it's like as long as people can relate to the authenticity of yeah. it, it's like Yeah, I think I think the 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 downside to it is in my opinion is that um if you try to spend all your time trying to figure out the algorithm and what the algorithm wants and what's going to what kind of video is going to pop off or what kind of song is going to pop off, it tends to start to influence your writing style or your creativity. And then next thing you know, you're going down this rabbit hole of like trying to write a song that might do well on TikTok. And it's like, is that really why you moved to Nashville? Is that really the point of all this? You know, that's 100%. something I've, I've kind of thought about recently. And I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a, a quote unquote TikTok artist like that. Like I, yeah, I, I want to do my own thing. And your ability to if it pops off, it pops off. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Your ability to grab an audience on TikTok uh, has nothing to do with artistry. It goes back to that kind of skit that you're talking about. Like, yeah, he, uh, he's never played a show yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. he's, he's been yeah, in vocal but, lessons yeah. for seven there's months. Some, yeah. There's some art to it to figure out how to captivate people's attention. Well, there's, there's, yeah. there's an art to being an influencer. It's very different than the art of being a music artist. Yeah, right? somebody like that two different has things. done reality yeah. TV yeah. show uh, music, you'll find out very quickly that... Uh, there are a lot of people out there that want to be as famous as possible and don't want to do the things that we've had to do to learn how to yeah. be. How many people do you see on, on NBC on The Voice that have never played a show? They're oh, just, they're just on so The many. Voice because yeah. they got all these fancy runs they can do with, they're their, like, with well, their vocal yeah, cords. Or like, well, I've been a farmer my whole life. My wife said <laughs> yeah. that uh, and I lost yeah. my leg in this hay yeah, bale. my leg got chopped off, so and, then I hobbled um, over here to L.A. <laughs> to try out for the yeah, boys. I usually just sing at Kmart for all these <laughs> other kids. And uh, and then it's like, all right, cool. Well, have you ever played a show before? No. And then they end up winning the whole thing, and they get thrown into this Is this whole, a real story of the one-legged... No, it's no, just it's just the the the, the yeah, joke is that well. like you have to have a story. You can't just have the, yeah, the fancy yeah, vocal cords. You got to have the sob story to go along with it that NBC can sell. Yeah, that's the point of those stupid TV but, shows. But I guess to my point though, what I'm trying to say is that there's so many people that want that quick, fast remedy to success and yeah, the easy button. Yeah, and I think that it's it's actually kind of a cool thing for us because we've been in it for so long and. For us to make content that we believe in, but also know that we can go get on a stage and perform for people. There's a huge difference between that and somebody in the room, like, you know, trying to be famous on TikTok. It's yeah, like, yeah. There's definitely a difference between trying to be famous and making music. Yeah. Like, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So you guys but, trying to be famous or? Dude, I am famous. famous. <laughs> Will is okay. famous, yeah. I sell yeah. my uh, feet, feet pictures. <laughs> <laughs> pictures of my feet. I'll just him, just man. big toe. Just the just big, the toe. big yeah. toe. Yeah, it's anonymous. <laughs> so uh so Mike, what's uh what's next? We'll get back to you here before we wrap this up. But what's uh got the got the new music out, got pieces of me album yeah. is available on all digital streaming platforms, so everybody can check that Title, out, download Deezer. it. Title Deezer, <laughs> Boombox, Boom Definitely Boom on Deezer. Yeah, YouTube, oh, yeah. Amazon, Pandora, Shazam. Spotify. You can Shazam, Shazam the song yeah. that's important Apple music these days. Um what's next? What do you, what's going on in your life currently? I don't know. I might start an OnlyFans account. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, big feet photos, man. Big feet, baby. <laughs> you guys looking for big feet? Just big toes, um, big feet, you know? How crater feet, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay. Let's get serious. Um, I don't know, man. I got to start writing again. And uh, like I said, the whole, uh, I got to start making videos and content. And um, I got a little space in the house where I can start cranking out videos. And You got a new house, right? Got a new house. That was, that was, uh, a, big, that was a big deal. Got a new house. Just bought a house. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where it is, but it's I yeah, got one. You don't want people sneaking yeah. in. Yeah. You're not invited. No, I'm kidding. Uh but yeah, it's it's so much con- content. Get, get, get content your studio set up. We can have this podcast yeah, in your studio for sure. sometime. Content is like a whole another challenge uh, outside of like recording music. Like it's a new, it's a new thing that I I don't have a ton of experience with. So I'm excited to uh, start doing that and maybe put a little money into it. And um, yeah, then I'll start writing again. And um, I don't know if I'm going to do singles or EPs or a full album again uh, for the next year. Like, uh, we've talked about this, Blaine, about what, what, how much you should release or what you should release. Uh, it's kind of a crapshoot. So, yeah, I think I'll just start writing again and kind of see how many songs I can get and figure out a process from there. But, yeah, I, I think the main thing for us independent artists is just keep the ball rolling. Just hope it snowballs, you know? For sure. Yeah. You have anything to plug while you're here just the album um keep listening to the album if you do and follow my social media pages it's all mike j godwin um check it out come to some shows yeah you guys have anything to plug i don't think so not right now um as the official unofficial teen hatch uh ambassador i just want to say thank you for coming out yeah to, mike godwin uh, yeah, our, our first, first guest everybody thank, thank you guys. thank you very thank much you. for coming Thanks for having guest on the podcast thank yeah. you it's an honor and we'll we'll go ahead and roll this out with the outro of Will Pellerin and Dean You. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's a that's a great remix. Playing oh. now. Yeah. <laughs> Old song. <laughs> See you next time, everybody.